0: Time for Re-Engineering Your Finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. This is Re-Engineering Your Finances. Walter Storholt here with Charles Weldy, founder, certified financial planner at CP Weldy Group, based out of Chad's Ford, Pennsylvania on Route 52. We're online at cpweldygroup.com. And today we're going to be talking about whether or not your retirement plan is out of tune. So even if you have what you think is a solid financial plan in place, well, it's not hard to imagine that things can quickly get out of tune if you don't make adjustments from time to time. A plan that you just set there and forget about it and never look at, think, or touch again yeah, isn't necessarily going to be able to adapt to today's changing and fast-paced world. So we're going to talk about some of the areas where we often see people get out of tune in their financial plan and in their retirement plan. And we're going to do that with Charles Weldy. Charles,
1: how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, Walter. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, doing great. Looking forward to our conversation today. Did, did you ever play an instrument in uh, you know, your middle school or or high school, college days, or even now?
1: And uh true confession, though, I bought a guitar when I was uh, 16 and I tried to play it. I thought it'd be easy. It was uh-huh. very difficult. So I gave up, you know, I mean, I love James Taylor, but you know, I didn't sound like him and I didn't play like <laughs> him. So, you know, I think I expected instant success and it didn't work out. Yeah. I, I played the stand-up
0: <laughs> bass uh, in middle school for three years and then tried it for a semester in high school, but it was just it was starting to outpace where my skill level was and and the amount of time I could truly dedicate to trying to practice it and also was jealous of all the other instruments i ended up just kind of feeling like i picked the wrong instrument bass was Got to be kind of boring, at least in the orchestra. Like bass in like a rock band is probably pretty cool, but bass in the orchestra, and I, I don't mean this as a fan. I loved playing the bass, but at the same time, it was always so hard for me to play the bass line. I always wanted to play with the violins or the cellos or somebody else was playing, right? So they, oh, they had all the cool <laughs> melodies, right? While you're just sort of in the background. Exactly. And, uh, so I, I just wasn't very musically inclined. But part of my problem, Charles, was I could never get the darn thing in tune. I did not have an ear for being in tune. And even after all the those years of playing, I still had to rely on the teacher or what do they? Do they call them just tuners, I suppose, uh, where you could, you know, it would automatically tell you if you were hitting the right note or whatever.
1: Um, yeah, it, I just sure always had is. a
0: problem getting my uh, instrument in tune. So I always relied on the teacher to help me. And I think that's a really good parallel for how a lot of people have trouble getting their financial plans in tune. And that's why they turn to you for those tune-ups and, and for that help and making sure everything is harmoniously working together.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you know, definitely. I love to tune plans up. You know, Uh, I never met a plan that I couldn't make better. (laughs) All right. Well,
0: let's (laughs) let's do it on today's show. I've got a few different situations I want to throw at you to see if this is an area where a plan gets out of tune and how you help fix that problem and and get us back sounding sounding good. Uh, So what about future tax considerations? Where do you see plans get out of tune in that regard?
1: Well, I I find that, you know, most people when they talk about like tax considerations, they're looking at like today, like, you know, what's what's my tax today? They're they're looking at, I I guess you would call it the uh, micro, right? Instead of the macro, like, hey, what's the tax liability over my lifetime? And if people really looked at like tax liability over the lifetime, a lot of them would like really zero in and and fine tune, you know, their attitude about taxes. I mean. I was always trained, you know, when I was much younger, like, hey, let's let's uh, postpone paying taxes. And now that I'm older and wiser and I see what's happening in terms of, you know, tax proposals and, you know, some of these large retirement plans. Uh, I'm actually like trying to talk some people into maybe paying their taxes sooner rather than later because I anticipate tax rates in the future will be much higher than they currently are today. So, um, you know, basically, uh, you know, future tax considerations, uh, a lot of people just look at their account balance and their 401k and IRA and they are under the assumption that that's their account balance, but. Uh, I, you know, I'm sad to say that they have a partner in Uncle Sam and he is going to uh, take a certain percentage of that. And uh, that percentage could change, you know, to their detriment in the future as tax rates uh, are projected to increase well above what they are today.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, we can see tax issues. I mean, just people don't pay enough attention to it sometimes. And that's why it gets out of tune. It's just like, you know, not putting the uh, putting your guitar back in its case and you just leave it exposed to the elements. It's easy to get out of tune. That's how it kind of happens with taxes, too. You just ignore it and then boom, all of a sudden you've got a problem or you've got an issue popping up there. What about uh, having the right amount of life insurance? Is that something that can change from the original creation of a plan and thus get out of tune?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you're young, you know, uh, obviously it's great to have life insurance in the event that, you know, a premature death, you know, the mortgages paid off, there's income for the surviving spouse, you know, education for the kids. I mean, that's a big deal. And a lot of times when people are young, they don't have a lot of money. So they buy term insurance and a term insurance policy lasts for a certain period of time so you know having the right amount of life insurance is really critical especially when you're young Uh, and as you get older you know people might say like hey you know there's less of a need for life insurance because hey you're building up an estate you have other assets and i would say that um, you know life insurance is probably an asset class that's most neglected Um, if you have the right type of life insurance as you're older, which is permanent insurance, then perhaps if you needed a long-term care, that policy would have a rider to take care of long-term care, and if you did pass away, um, you know that money would go tax-free to your beneficiary. So, having the right amount of life insurance is really like. Uh, it's one of the, I guess, elements of a good financial plan. It's not just how much money do you have, where is it? Let's move it. It's really like, hey, what's your income gap? What's your tax situation? You know, if and they call them fire drills, if something happened today, if you had to go in a nursing home or, you know, the wage earner lost uh, you know, his uh, livelihood, uh, how would you, uh, you know, how would you cope? So life insurance, having the right amount is critical. Uh, and I think it's often neglected uh, for most people.
0: All good points there, Charles. All right. I've got one more, uh, actually two more scenarios for you as we talk about your retirement plan, maybe getting out of tune, the areas where that can happen and having the right amount of cash in the bank. Can change quickly, right? People might still be putting money into a savings account or just lifestyle changes could dictate that you need more money in the bank or perhaps less. I bet it's it sounds silly, but you probably have a situation sometimes where somebody comes in with too much cash, just kind of sitting there doing nothing in the bank, right?
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, early in my career, I used to tell people how much money they should have in cash. And guess how well that went over, Walter? You know, I mean, yeah. people don't like to be told what to do, right? Right. So basically, you know, there's a rule of thumb. Most planners will agree. Hey, what's your income gap? Let's just say your income gap was like 3000 a month. So most planners would say, hey, you know, six months to twelve months times three thousand, that would be what? Eighteen to thirty-six thousand should be the right amount of cash to have in the bank. I mean, that's just a rule of thumb. I mean, obviously if there's a wedding coming up, if there's a new card purchase, if there's a new roof that needs to be, you know, replaced, those are going to be added to that account. But by and large, I find that um if you don't have enough cash in there, you run into the risk of like, hey, you know, if you need cash for that emergency, whether it's the roof or what, what have you, you might be taking that out of an account that went down in value because the market's down and you'll never get that money back again. So, not having enough cash is almost as critical as having too much cash. If you had too much cash, Let's just say that you know the accounts making one percent and Treadline Inflation's three. You might not be losing any principal, but you're losing two percent a year in purchasing power in that example. So having the right amount of cash, it's not crucial or critical, but it's important. Like not to have too much or too little.
0: Oh, I, I like that and great mentality to approach that question about cash with. I think that's a big one. All right, last but not least, and I know this is one of the uh, central questions of any financial or retirement plan and that's risk, having the right amount of risk. Why is that something that might change a little over time?
1: Well, um, I guess uh, when I look at risk, I kind of generally, well, let me just preface it with this. Um, The right amount of risk is really addressed when we do financial plans by putting uh, a client's assets in the proper bucket. So, you know, from previous podcasts, you know that I'm a big advocate of the bucket planning process where there's three buckets of money. There's now money, that's generally cash, There's soon money that's generally fixed income, and there's later money that's generally stock. And those three asset classes. I know this is etched in stone. This is just a a, an anchor, so to speak, or a standard. I would say that cash, you know, over time will make one percent. Maybe fixed income over time three percent, and let's just say um, stock six percent. So the point is, like, how much of that money do you really need to have at risk? I might have somebody that you know what they have longevity in their family. They're Most likely going to live a long time. They're very conservative, but guess what? You know, the numbers don't add up. They don't have enough in that later bucket. So a a financial plan that puts the right amount of dollars in that later bucket in stocks, you know, might lower the risk in, in, in the future as opposed to presenting more risk today. But I've always been an advocate of Nick Murray who says there's no such thing as no risk. You're either going to have safety and security today you know, uh, safety and security today with no risk, but you'll have risk tomorrow because you were too conservative today or you'll have risk today for safety and security tomorrow because the risk that you're taking today will, will be rewarded over time. So uh, having the right amount of risk is so critical. And I mentioned on an earlier podcast, I had a gentleman come in here and he had like uh, maybe like a million dollars, a little over a million dollars in his retirement account and one and a half million dollars outside of his retirement account. And 90% of all his investments were in stock. And the guy lived off of maybe like, I don't know, $5,000 a month. So he was definitely taking so much risk. He didn't need to. And what we did, we did a plan and we put things in the proper buckets. How much does he really need to spend? What's his vacation fund? Is he going to buy a new car like down the road? He has no other family members. He's single and basically he can put his head in the pillow at night And again, you know, I I had this phrase, I don't care who the president is, what interest rates are, if the market's up, down or sideways, he's going to be fine because he's getting risk adjusted returns really based on the risk that he's willing to take. And he was taking much too high risk when I met him. And right now, instead of being like maybe an aggressive or growth oriented investor, he's more conservative now or moderate to conservative. And it suits him a lot better.
0: Well, thanks for helping us out with this discussion, Charles. I know that when a financial plan gets out of tune, we run the risk of, well, I don't know, just like to carry that instrument analogy forward, you know, not great performance. You go try to perform with an out-of-tune instrument, and the audience isn't going to like it very much, and and you're not going to be happy with it either. It's going to be the kind of the same thing in your retirement and your financial plan, except instead of booze, the consequences are going to be a lot worse if you have an out-of-tune financial plan. So that's why people need to meet and talk. Uh, Last question for you, Charles. I mean, if it's somebody that is not working with you, how often do they need to be checking in on their retirement plan to see if it's getting out of tune or – is staying in tune, that sort of thing. And if you're working with somebody directly, how often are you meeting with them or at least discussing with them what's going on in their plan and, and reviewing whether or not it needs to be, you know, retuned?
1: Yeah, well, that's a great question. I'm making like quarterly calls to all my investment clients just to, you know, Create, you know, just to maintain the relationship and let them know that I'm thinking of them. But at least once a year, you know, uh, and I, I think once a year is fine, uh, you know, to review the plan and to update it. And actually, this, uh, today's podcast, you know, tune up, I'm going to be getting on the phone with my existing clients. say hey, it's time for a tune up because uh, we're getting to the end of the year and, you know, I want to get everybody like, you know, where they should be so that we go into 2022, like ready to like explode. So, I mean, I love this industry. I love what, you know, what I do. I love being a resource for people and, uh, you know, um, definitely financial plans are, you know, probably the best investment someone can make. And even if they're happy with their current advisor, maybe getting a second opinion, no harm, no foul. But I think it might really benefit, you know, just about anybody.
0: Great points all across the board, Charles. And if you want to talk to Charles about your specific financial plan, get some guidance and some help and a review of what's going on and how you can make sure your plan is in tune, give a call. 610 388 7705 is the number. 610 388 7705. Or go online to cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. And you can find the contact info links and the number. In the description or show notes section of today's show. Charles, thanks for the help, and we'll look forward to chatting with you again in a few weeks. Thank you, Walter. Another episode will be coming up soon of Reengineering Your Finances, and we look forward to talking to everybody then. Thanks for listening.